Welcome to Your Lot and Parcel Podcast with your host, Benjamin Diaz, designed strictly for you, the consumer. You will find that this platform has your best interests at heart. Welcome to my show. This is yours truly, Benjamin. In this segment, my guest is clearly passionate about helping parents and teens and improving their relationship. Throughout her 20-year teaching career, she has made it her mission to create a safe and supportive environment for her students. She has seen firsthand the disconnect that happens when teens and their parents fail to communicate effectively, and her objective is to make a positive difference. She speaks to building trust between parents and teens, her observation about technology as well, and her thoughts about single parents. My guest is a high school English teacher for more than 20 years, definitely in the front lines of our topic. She's a transformational coach. She's a speaker and authored the book, Beyond Listening, Bridging the Communication Gap Between Parents and Teens. Let's welcome her to our show, Lisa Jazz. I think it would be safe for me to say, that the majority of exchanges between parents and their teens involves, for the most part, complaints and rebukes. And of course, it shouldn't be that. And I'm glad to have my guest on the show today. And I want to thank her because there is much more to communication than just what I just mentioned. So, uh, Lisa, tell us a little bit about yourself and your mission, if you would. So I am a 20 plus year high school English teacher. And as such, I have spent more of my time with teenagers than I do with adults. Mm -hmm. And part of that though, more, more than that, I spend time with the kids outside of the classroom. And they spend a lot of time with me um, before school, after school, during their breaks. I just had uh, more than 20 kids in here during my lunch period, just hanging out and talking to me about life and all of those mm -hmm. things. And, through those experiences, I have come to realize that there, uh, a lot of their issues stem from their relationships with their parents, not just with their peers. Yes, well, that's interesting. I, uh, it's been a while since I've been in high school, so if you don't mind me asking, what's uh, what is high school like these days <laughs> for, some, for somebody like myself? That it's been well, a while. you know, it's it's mm -hmm. such an interesting it's such an interesting thing because you know these kids. The kids today um, have a little bit different experience than yeah. we did back um, back in our days, sure. <laughs> um, sure. no matter what generation we come from. Um, and, sure. you know, some of that has to do with the pandemic, but, um, you know, a lot of it has to do with social media. Um, and mm -hmm. one of the things that I talk about in my book is that um, you cannot compare your experiences to the experiences of your children because it's such a different Thing. I have a whole chapter in the book on the differences between then and now. Yes. And part of that has to do with, you know, if something happened to you or I when we were in high school, it stayed there. You know, kind of that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but now if something happens to these kids, it goes viral. Oh, yes. Yes, right. I mean, and so they're living in a viral society. Right. So no, no matter what we say, I, I, I remember what it was like or, you know, whatever. I mean, I, you know, I had an experience where a friend of mine spread a rumor that I was sleeping with the football team. Right. And mm -hmm. if that had happened today, 
the whole world would have known that, not just the people in my school. Yes, right away. Oh my god. So there's different, there's a lot of differences. Yeah, it's a different time um, today and different uh, challenges, different all the way around. But um, I understand you 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 authored a book. Uh, what was the inspiration for the writing of that book beyond listening, bridging the communication gap between parents and teens, Lisa? So I have been talking to teens for a long time, uh, 20, you know, 20, again, 20 plus years. And one of the things that they consistently say is I don't feel like I'm being listened to. My parents aren't listening to me. They don't hear me. Um, they don't understand where I'm coming from. And I am in a unique perspective to, to be able to hear both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I'm in a even more unique perspective in that I hear their side. Um, and I recognize that I'm hearing it a lot of times one-sided, right? I get, I just get their side, but yes. that's the thing. It's, it's their perspective. And one of the things that we need to recognize is that they need to be validated, right? If your, your relationship with your teen is going to be hugely altered for the better, yes. if you just validate the way that they're feeling, right. you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to even understand it most of the time, but if you validate it, Mm-hmm. They are going to come to you. They're going to talk to you. All they want you to do is hear them. Exactly. They don't even want advice most of the time. They just want you to listen to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, so I can see how that would have. Um, but it's very telling about you. I I, I can appreciate um, you know when you when you have uh, dealing with that and then reducing it to writing and publishing it. Uh, I can appreciate uh, the kind of person you are uh, and caring. You're, uh, I can see you're very caring. Um, uh, how would you um, define effective communication between parents and teenagers today? It's almost it's almost a trick question, right? I mean, yeah. effective is the def- definition of effective comes down to there's a quote that came out of Pulp Fiction. It's like a, it's a deleted scene from Pulp Fiction. And the quote, um, Uma Thurman asks um, John Travolta in there, in there, in this scene, um, "Do you listen to talk, right, or do you wait to listen, right?" It's yeah. kind of that. That's kind of the quote. And he mm-hmm. says, he says, he says, "I I listen to talk, but I'm trying harder to listen." Oh, right. Okay. He's he's like waiting to speak. Like he's waiting to speak. I've I've kind of um, ruined the quote a little bit, but yeah, but he's right. he's he wants to he wants to talk. He want he has right. And so parents want to solve problems, right? Exactly. They, they they that's their job is to solve. They feel like all, all, they're there to solve all the, their kids' problems, right? Mm, right away. And and the idea the effective communication. There is no communication without it going both ways, mm-hmm. right? But the idea for teenagers is. When I say to teenagers, you know, if you did this with your parent, if you did that with your parent, they said, my parents aren't willing to do that. (laughs) Right. And so they, but they're all there. But but then if you turn it the other way, the parent says the exact same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And for teenagers, compromise is a very hard thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It gets a little convoluted. But I I think you touched on it uh, earlier. And that's listening. Uh, That's what you call an effective. uh, I've raised three. uh, uh, three kids, they're grown and gone, and um, and I remember, uh, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of a lot of these things that uh, 
that kids, you know, when they come up to you, like I said, we're in a very busy world and we just sometimes don't listen. In fact, let me relate to you a little experience, uh, not as an adult, but as a teenager. Uh, I think I might have been a junior, a junior uh, in high school, possibly. At any rate, I, I approached my mom to see if I can uh, spend some time with a good friend of mine for a couple, a couple of days, two or three days. I asked her and she says, mm-hmm. Instead of saying, sure, or certainly, and when will he be back? Or She said, mm-hmm. And I knew immediately she was not listening. So what did I do as a teenager? I, I took that as my ticket, and I ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> my gosh, I remember um, uh, two uh, days later, they were still looking for me, wondering wh what happened to me, you know? But but um, I, I think we both learned something that day. She needed to listen a little more, and I... And I shouldn't have taken advantage of that. So, so, and that's how it is with, with kids, you know, always looking to see the stretch in the envelope, you know, is that sort of thing. But uh, no, I can appreciate what you're saying. How would you define um, um, what well, you talked about effective communication and about um, areas of uh, barriers? How about barriers? What would be some barriers that tend to diminish communication? So some of it has to do with um, barriers to communication have to do with perception, right? Perception yes. is everything, right? And yes. it's something like what you talked about too, right? You, exactly. you, you perceived that your, your, your mother wasn't listening, right? right? And so it also has to do with, you know, the title of my book is Beyond Listening. Mm. And, and this idea that we have to listen with more than just our eyes. I mean, with our more than just our ears, we have to listen with our eyes. We have to listen with our heart. We have to listen with all of these things. And some of these barriers are um, understand that that um, a lot of parents don't understand um, how the teenage brain works, right? Mm -hmm. And they sure. they take offense, right? We we get into this combative this combative um, mindset. Right. We 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 need to have the we, we all need to have the last word. <laughs> exactly. right? and, and, and so the idea is instead of um, there's a Brian Mendler, he's a he, he teach. He was he was a teaser, he's a motivational speaker, but he he teaches um, um, he, he taught special needs kids. And he um, he says, why do we need to have the last words? We're the adults. <laughs> right. He says, if you if you let them ha if you walk away. He's walk, this is, he was teaching a bunch of teachers, but it's the same for parents, right? If you walk away, you leave them wondering what just happened. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so, so this idea of where are these barriers? These barriers come from, from the idea that we feel like we have to be in control of the situation 100% of the time, because if we give up that control, then we feel like they're walking all over us. Exactly. Yeah. But, but the idea is, Part of that comes from where we were raised to. We bring the best and the worst of the way that we were raised with us to any conversation we have with our children. Absolutely, and that's true. That's true for us as teachers too. I'm, you know, I'm guilty of this in my own classroom. I, I, I start feeling myself become my mom and my dad in my classroom, and I go, "Where did that come from? <laughs> Why did I just do that?" Right? I, you oh, know, yeah. like I, I, and and then I go, "Oh, I just wrote about this, exactly. <laughs> right? Why am yeah. I doing it?" Um, but that's, you know, all these barriers come from our own natural instincts, right? Absolutely. But if we start to recognize them, and we take a step back. And we start over, 
right? Before we take a breath and we have a we have a conversation about it, we're going to wind up in a much better place. I think so. I think yeah. so. Um, and I think what you touched on about, um, um, I guess what it boils down is to make, uh, be cognizant of your body language when you do communicate with teenagers because they're picking up on that, you know. Uh, and- uh, you know, put the phone down, your cell phone, turn off the TV and, and just listen attentively uh, with the right facial uh, sincerity and, and so forth. Um, what, what do you think about overreaction or an overreaction or underreaction? Uh, I think that can be a barrier too. I, I, I do believe from my experience as a dad, uh, I think. And, and they they read into it both 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 the overreaction or the underreaction. Exactly. Right? Yeah. The overreaction is is shuts them down, and the underreaction makes them think you don't care. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so we sometimes we can't help it, but again, it's it's about recognizing and be, being able to admit when you are in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe whether it's just sentiment or words, right? Like the idea is maybe maybe it was just the volume, right? Or the situation, even if what you're, what you meant, like even if maybe you weren't wrong in what you said, but the tone or the way you said it was wrong, you need to make sure that, that the, the child understands that maybe what, what the reason for it wasn't about them. Yeah, my goodness. <clears throat> You really have to strike a, a balance, you know. Um, I know that um, uh, raising three kids, you know, sometimes you do have to uh, look for the right time to respond, uh, to avoid overreacting, you know, and or get the whole picture. Sometimes uh, there's details that are omitted, and uh, so you try to get the whole picture before you you say anything. So it, it's it's. Uh, it's difficult, no matter how you cut it, um, uh, Lisa. Regarding uh, communication, what, what effect did the uh, pandemic have, if any? <laughs> so that, that that depends, right, um, on yeah. um, the circumstances, because some parents wound up out of their homes if they were first responders or people who had to be away from the home, right? Exactly. The, the big the the greatest effect happened though for those that got stuck at home together <laughs> uh, right, right. right because that that forced time together um in some ways it was beneficial right for some people it was a lot very beneficial because they got to know um parents that they ha- maybe had had not gotten to know before but yes. after a long period of time um some of the, some of these kids could not wait to get back to school not for the um not for the academic portion, um, but for the socialization piece absolutely. of being that, back that, with their peers. That's it. Yeah. For yeah. the most part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, but some of them really built relationships. I mean, some of them, when they came back and they, some of them got to, in my classes, got to write about it and, and they really built relationships. And um, one of the questions we, one of the things I talk about is mentorship. And a lot of my kids, they're, they're, they don't have a, other mentors, this mm-hmm. group, this, the people that were, the, the kids that were involved in um, the pandemic because the only mentors they know are their parents. Mm-hmm. They haven't gotten the opportunity to explore outside mentors because for the last several years, the only people they've had to look up to are their parents, good, bad, or indifferent. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I believe that. Uh, um, yeah, well, it, it, there are some different variables, like you say, uh, whether the pandemic had an adverse uh, effect or not. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, as parents, I tell you, it's 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 a job. Uh, 
the question I would have for you is, you know, as parents, uh, you know, we, we were we were teenagers at one time. <laughs> Did we uh, forget what it's like to be a teenager? What What are your thoughts on that? I think that that in in many ways it is the reason that we react the way that we do. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. right. Yeah. Especially if you have um, <laughs> the opposite sex teenage child. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I mean, if you're a father raising a daughter, you remember mm-hmm. what you were like as a teenager, and it causes your reactions. Yeah. Uh, and um, and the same for the mothers wanting to protect their their sons from, you know, girls like that like you or that you knew that could take advantage of them as well, right? right. Um, but I think that part of it too is that um, it's not so much that we forget. I think it's that we expect their lives to be similar to ours, mm-hmm. and we have to remember that they are n- they are not having the same experiences. Um, I was watching, I, I teach a, a TED talk to my kids, um, Celeste Hadley, and it, it's also in the book, but, and she talks about experiences, our, our experiences, just in general, people's experiences are not the same. You know, you could say that your child is exactly, that you think your child is exactly like you. There's no such thing. No. They could be, they could be your mini me, and they still have different experiences from you. And you have to take account, you have to take that into account. Otherwise, you're going to get a lot of resentment, especially at this age. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, we're all unique. Uh, it's just uh, one of those things. Uh. We are hanging out, as teenagers would say, with a high school English teacher that has her pulse on parent and teenage relationships. She's a transformational coach. She's a speaker and authored the book, Beyond Listening, Bridging the Communication Gap Between Parents and Teens. Let's get back with her, Lisa Jazz. Any, um, any tips in building trust, uh, which is, of course, immense importance between parent and child? Any, any tips or tricks on, in that area of trust? You know, it's interesting when I talk to the teens about this, Um, I talk a lot about, you know, the fact that it it takes trust to earn trust. And then they say, but I haven't done any, anything to break their trust. Right. So Mm -hmm. you have some of the, you have some of these kids who are really good kids who haven't done anything. And so again, it becomes that for those kids, it becomes that it's the parents past life, right. That is informing this or that they don't trust the world. They'll say to the kids, it's not you. I don't trust. It's, it's the world around you that I don't trust. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's one of those things. It's really, you, you don't want to, it's about, I always tell the kids it's, it's about security and safety. And so when I talk to the parents, I tell them, if you come to your kid with the, and tell them everything in, and don't just say no, you can say no in the end, sure. but if you explain to them that every choice that you make and you, you show them why, you know, that every choice that you're making is for their safety and their security and you're not just being unreasonable to be unreasonable, even if they don't like your decision, they will respect your decision. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is not, you're not just saying no to be mean, right? You're showing them that there is a rational and reasonable re- reason that you are saying no, yes. instead yes. of just being the mean mommy or daddy. Very good. Yeah. I understand that. Um um, and of course, there's other things that are at play here, such as the um, biolog- biological changes that are taking place. Uh, would you say <laughs> that uh, makes it exceedingly 
more challenging, Lisa? The, I, and I've been I, I repeat this to the to the kids over and over again. Their mm-hmm. brains are their risk center of their brain is in hyperdrive. Mm-hmm. And the logical brain, the logical part of their brain doesn't fully develop until they're 25. Yes. Yes. So for them, this not everybody's a risk taker, but the idea is that that part of their brain that is making those decisions is in the, is in the front for, forefront, the emotional mm-hmm. piece. It's why they're so overly emotional, overly dramatic, overly whatever. That part of their brain is going 100 miles an hour, right? Mm-hmm. Where that part, the, their, their frontal lobe is not developed until they're 25 fully. Mm-hmm. So you'll have some that are more mature and some that are whatever, but the idea is that they're still developing. And so when they make these decisions, it's with, it's with that in mind. And, and both the parents and the kids need to be aware of it. Although then the kids say, well, that part of my brain is not developed. But the idea is, it's just the, it's the reason why these things happen is mm-hmm. that, 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 that biologically that's what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Besides the hormones. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, how, how many kids do you have in, in your class? I'm just curious. Uh, what is the size of your class? My largest class has 37. 37. And then my, my yearbook class only has nine, but you know. <laughs> okay. But, right. <laughs> but the average, the averages are, are are you know up in that range. My 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 senior classes are under thirty, but um, I'm 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 lucky in that range. Most of my most of my colleagues they're they're in the upper thirties. So. Wow. Well, I can appreciate you're in the front lines there and uh, right in the middle of things, and I can see where the uh, some of the young ones uh, will approach you. You know. Uh, and talk to you about different things that they're having to deal with. Um, we've been talking about um, uh, raging hormones and everything, and I, I, I wonder what what are your thoughts of using uh, draconian methods? I, parents tend to be very harsh, very you know about that. What are your thoughts on that? So, the harder you are on the kids. Yeah the more resistance you're going to get. I think so. Yeah. And I think that especially, you know, and, and depending, you know, I deal obviously a lot with the grading aspect of it. And, and mm-hmm. I've, it, it, it's both on, on both ends, you know, that those kids that are getting the A's right. Mm-hmm. Whose parents, if they get a, you know, they get an A minus and they say, why wasn't an A plus. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. You've got that. Yeah. And then you've got yeah. the kid who, who's failing, who finally mm-hmm. gets a D and they said, but it could have been a C. Oh, yes, yes. Right. I mean, so the idea is we need to be rewarding for all successes, mm-hmm. right? We don't need to be, and I don't mean that everybody should be getting a participation trophy. That's not, mm-hmm. I don't mean going to mm-hmm. that extreme either, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. the idea is they need to be rewarded where they're at. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you want to have a high bar. I don't ever lower the bar for my kids. That's not what I do in my classroom. Mm-hmm. But those that need to be pushed, that need to have the rewards because they've never been successful, or those that are always successful and get beaten down when they have a small setback, that's never going to make more successful people. Right, exactly. And I think in situations like that where you're talking about grades, uh, this is a great opportunity for a parent to you know, uh, come in and say, no, uh, how can I help you? You know, what can mm-hmm. we do together here? Right. Um, so I, I, you know, raising my three, I always looked for that and I always tried to get involved, uh, not prying or anything, but uh, I knew who their friends were. Uh, 
um, and, and just, you know, communicate with them as if you're also a friend, but again, you're also a parent. So you do have to strike a balance there somewhere. Right. And uh, so it's, it is a job for the parent. What is a, what are your observations on single parent families uh, having that you're a teacher there and among 37 individuals there? What are your thoughts? So the interesting thing is that the kids are very, very aware. The single family okay. is part of that, but um, just in general, but they're very aware of what's going on at home. And, mm-hmm. um, and especially in a, in, in a protective way. And yeah. so they're not going to burden you with their problems if they feel like um, you're already having them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, if they're struggling and they see you struggling, they're going to struggle silently rather than give your burden because they don't want to hurt you anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's not to say don't. I mean, you want to share like those are, you know, it's not to say hide your feelings either. But the idea is I have students who say I'm not going to, you know, I don't want my mother to know what's going on with me because she's got enough going on on her plate. It's just to be mm-hmm. aware that mm-hmm. that's the way that they think. And, and to let them know that it's still okay for them to come to you, right? right. They, they just, that, that it's not going to make you feel any worse if they come to you, right? Like, just because that's the way that they think. They, they you know, these are kids who take on jobs to help, help at home. Yes. And then if their grades are slipping, they're not going to tell you that too. Right. Right. Or if they're having a hard time with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or if they're having a hard time and they're feeling depressed, they're not going to tell you because they don't want to make any more burden on the single parent. Right. Or if the single parent's not around, they feel like they're not as important. Right. Because they're they're out there doing what they need to do to help the family or they're you know, whatever it is. Sometimes that's the feeling that becomes number one. I've heard that more often than not. I don't want to bother my mom. She's got enough going on. Mm. I don't want to bother my dad. He's trying to take care of the family, right? So that's something that comes that I hear a lot from single family homes or homes where there's maybe a step parent involved who isn't really involved, right? Yes. <clears throat> I can see that uh, where, you know, a youngster, a young one or a teen, uh, it does engender compassion over that young one because mm-hmm. uh, they're having to deal with so much. Uh, just... Uh, Life is complicated, uh, especially when you have single parent uh, families like that and you're having to work and so forth. And uh, I know growing up, I uh, always had my, my parents, but uh, we, we still had to work. <laughs> yeah. he, uh, that's one thing my dad did teach me is the ethics of uh, working. And uh, so, but uh, which, which is good. But again, there's... Uh, there's the uh, communication part of it as well. Um, what, what are your thoughts uh, of kids spending too much time online? <laughs> what do you think of that? What's What's interesting is um, there's a there's a fine line in that mm-hmm. because everybody's got their own thing that they spend online, right? Yes. Um, and so it's, it depends on how they're spending their time online and if it's affecting their their self esteem. Right. Mm-hmm. Some of them are spending time online, and they're 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 learning to become. Their their goal is to become cybersecurity experts, right? And they're actually researching and doing and whatever, and they're balancing and they're fine. Then they then you've got the ones that are online and they're obsessed with what makes them look good, and they put things out there, and then they get caught up in it, and and it becomes an you know an obsession about 
they need to look like this person or be this person. And then you've got this newest thing with all these TikTok challenges that are yes. yeah. out there that are that are causing havoc in the schools and in the communities and whatever. And so just apparently, and apparently I just learned there are two sides of TikTok, which I didn't know that. Mm. Um, and so there's the TikTok challenge world and then there's just the world of TikTok where the kids are making their cutesy videos and mm-hmm. having a good time. So, mm. you know, it's it's one of those things where as an educator who works with teenagers, I try and be very conscious and aware of what's going on in that world of social media and whatever, just to see, you know, what they're experiencing with it. And a lot of them are, they're not really, sometimes they're watching videos, but a lot of them are playing like um, phone games or they're Mm -hmm. with their friends and they're doing, so it just depends. It's such a, it's such a strange world. It is. Um, And it really comes down to, the parents and and all of us adults being consciously aware of who's doing what mm-hmm. um and it's the and and i found that it's the younger the middle school kids that we have to be the most cognizant of right now mm. because they're the ones that are getting in and finding the trouble because once they get older they find their niches and it's not quite as at least right now in my area it's not quite it doesn't seem quite as detrimental i don't know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's 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 very different in different places so exactly yeah i i understand that uh, of course being online i mean there's there's uh, different things you can do to learn uh, research uh, just all kinds of things you can do to learn to learn but right. uh, and, and again this is where parents have to uh, uh, see what they're doing and uh, see what they're learning if it's not quite what it should be well uh, there's uh, there's an opportunity for some communication there <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Hey, technology has it affected essential interpersonal uh, communication skills? What, what would you say to that? Um, I, I definitely believe that. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, I think that it, it's going to be more towards um, things like knowing how to communicate to the right people when. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I, I get the strangest emails from children that have you know no subjects and. Mm-hmm you know, inappropriate, like mm-hmm. not inappropriate language, but like they don't know how to do formal versus fo- informal. Right. So when they go right. off to the workplace, those are things we have to actually teach them in the classroom. Right. We have to teach them how to write emails. We have to teach them how to know if they're going to send a text message to somebody that's not just a friend, they have to know the difference. Right. Like they have to, these are things that we have to actually teach them in a classroom these days. Right. Social. Mm-hmm. It's not just a social, a social thing, but they also d- have a really hard time talking to each other. Mm. face-to-face they mm-hmm. would rather communicate via computer screens and i think the pandemic did influence that as well I think, I think but when so. yeah. i when i ask them we, we talk to them about whether they would rather talk on the phone or text they would rather facetime than text mm. but they don't talk on the phone oh wow okay <laughs> so they okay. want to see each other right yeah. but they don't want to you know, but they don't want to actually talk on the phone without seeing each other. So they'll walk around the house with the with the phones, right? Like they're in the room together. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, <clears throat> I I know texting and all that. I I uh, I try to be very careful what I text because it can be misconstrued or mm-hmm. yeah, the thing you know things can be interpolated and just. Uh, <laughs> not good, not good at all. Sometimes, so I can see what you're saying, and uh, 
So that's uh, that's all right. Uh, but again, th- this is uh, lends itself for parents to get involved. Uh, what, what what would you say um, about the importance of um, adult mentors? You did touch on that, but how do you how do you determine, uh, for an example, uh, an adult mentor whether that person would be uh, appropriate or not? Any any thoughts on that? such an interesting um, thing because I had such great adult mentors growing up and the the way that we get to interact is so different today than it was, you know, know, 25 years ago. Um, And I think that adult mentors are people that, that these teenagers feel like that they can communicate with. Um, And I think that it has to do with it's personalities, you know, and appropriate versus inappropriate is such a it's such an interesting um topic because i don't know you know inappropriate to me in this day and age has to do with anything that is um uh really physical in nature right you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like that's to me is the the inappropriateness because topics should not be inappropriate right like i mean there should be there's a line obviously right but these kids need people who are going to be real with them right Mm -hmm. and to me that is um Yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting subject because because yeah. those are topics that 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 are com- comfortable to the kid and the adult, right? Exactly. And if the parent yeah. has an issue with it, then they co- talk to the adult and and it ends, right? Exactly. That's where right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I understand. Uh, it, it does fall into being in the area of being subjective. You know, subjective about <clears throat> who's going to be the, the mentor and so forth. Uh, values sometimes come into play. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so forth, principles and and and, so and parents forth. parents yeah. need to be parents should be involved in that as well. Oh my gosh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. no question about that. <clears throat> so, Lisa, I uh, I really appreciate uh, what you're doing. Uh, how can my listenership reach out to you for more information and to uh, for your services? Incidentally, so my website is lisajass.com. Mm-hmm. My Instagram is Lisa Jast CCC, as is my Facebook. There you go. So that's how you reach me. Very good. And your book, uh, where can we find your book? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. There you go. And give us a title on that again. Beyond Listening, Bridging the Communication Gap Between Parents and Teens. Very appropriate, I think. That's, that's great. I really admire your dedication and your commitment uh, as a teacher, as a person, and uh, you do have a kind heart to be um, availing yourself to these young ones that really are desperate and in need of someone to talk to. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I I wish you well. And again, I, I, I thank you very much for being on your lot in Parson. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, listeners, if you have a recommendation for a show or you have a question or a comment, or just want to say hello, drop me a note at charlottamparcel.org. And now, if you would excuse me. This program has been produced by Isaac Diaz with music by Echo Foxtown. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. 
For more information, please visit the website yourlotandparcel.com. 